Hey there. I hope you have been enjoying the range and number of interviews that we've been publishing the last couple of episodes on Zen Founder. I love the kinds of folks that I get to talk to, especially in my consulting work and my speaking work and in the context of the podcast to share interesting ideas that I think are pushing forward the conversation about mental health and sanity within the entrepreneurial world. If you haven't had a chance to listen to my conversation with Tucker Max about his experience with MDMA-supported psychotherapy, I think that's a really, really interesting conversation. Two weeks ago, I published a conversation that I had with Robert from the Technology and Mindfulness podcast. His work is fantastic. He's an entrepreneur, an attorney, somebody who is really driven and has done a lot of things in his life, but has also really deeply pursued a sense of calm and mindfulness through old kinds of practices like martial arts and new practices like thinking about how do we creatively use our phones and our devices to help increase our level of calm and mindful awareness that, of course, is such a huge foundational part of good mental health. So the plan for today was that Rob and I would do an episode together about sort of the updates and things that are going on in our lives, things that we're learning But he has taken off with our oldest son and driven to Wisconsin, where he is attending GaryCon. And for those of you who know what GaryCon is, congratulations. Your nerd credentials are solidly in hand. For those of you who don't, um, this is basically a gathering of gamers who love to play role-playing games. Things like Dungeons & Dragons, for whom the conference is named. It's named after the the creator of Dungeons & Dragons. Um, So he and our oldest son are off in Wisconsin, and we just hopped on a call to record the episode, but then our son was having a meltdown because he got stuck playing Russia in some World War II game, and he's getting pummeled on all sides, and it just became kind of overwhelming. So Rob is currently providing emotional support to 12-year-old who is getting massively pummeled in some World War II role-playing game. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. One of the things that I have been doing throughout the first few months of this year is coming alongside organizations with, you know, 20 to 50 employees. And one of the things that I've been able to do is work individually with the leadership of organizations like that, and then combine that individual work with some on-site work with the team together. So it's a little bit like uh, Dr. Wendy Rhodes from Billions, but without the weird sex stuff, if you don't catch that reference Um, It's a Showtime show in which a psychologist is embedded or a psychiatrist rather is embedded with a hedge fund management group. And her role is to really support each key contributor's healthy functioning and really help them to kind of optimize for the best that they have to bring to the organization, which includes like all kinds of psychological factors. It includes ways that they communicate, limiting beliefs that are holding them back 
historical experiences that might limit how they see themselves and of course the way that they get along and contribute to the well-being of the team overall. So this new kind of consulting that I'm enjoying doing has been really interesting because I get each individual perspective. I get to do a pretty deep dive on each of the key leaders, but then I also get to think about how each of those leaders contributes to the functioning as a whole. So this way of working is kind of a a page out of the playbook from systems theory or systems psychology in which we understand how the functioning of a unit is One of the things that I'm always on the lookout for are things like groupthink or where these mysterious sort of assumptions become shared by the whole unit or the whole company, but without really data, without really an understanding of how those assumptions came to be held. It's a little bit how like fake news becomes viral. Like someone makes a comment about the importance of a particular marketing strategy And that sort of bubbles in the consciousness of a company until it can end up becoming sort of dogma. It can end up becoming one of the core values of the company without anyone ever really assessing whether it was the right choice or the right fit. And that's one of the most dangerous things that I think can happen in a group of humans is when we function too much as a cohesive unit, we lose the value of individual voices. And we lose the value of questions. We lose the value of conflict. We lose the value of each mind being able to function optimally in a way that serves to shape and change the conversation about how the cohesive whole functions. But of course, the inverse is also true. When we give too much credence to individual voices and not enough emphasis on cohesion, then you have a bunch of individual contributors like sort of all running in different directions who are not really functioning as a whole and you don't have a company you have like a loose gathering of individuals so figuring out that sweet spot that balance between individual voice and cohesive functioning is one of the tricky tricky challenges for companies as they begin to grow past one or two founders and three or four team members So part of my job right now is to be able to hold those in balance, to dig down deep with individuals, but also bring that, bring the best out of those individuals so that they can form the best cohesive unit that is is possible given who they have to play with. It's also allowed me to do a deeper dive and invest more time with one organization to really help identify problematic patterns and provide some alternative strategies for communication, for core values, for even day-to-day ways that meetings are held that can help improve the, the overall well-being of both the individuals and the business. So that's kind of what I've been up to this last couple of months. Those of you who have followed Rob and I as a unit know that um, Rob is way deep in the early stages of Tiny Seed, that their opening round of investors has finished. And of course, the applications for the businesses he will participate in the accelerator, that closed. So all the raw materials are now in place. And um, Rob and his co-founder, Inar, are working really hard to get ready to launch the first cohort that will be part of the Tiny Seed Accelerator. So as usual, it is really exciting for me to be in a supporting role Robin Aynar asked me to be one of the 
that mentors for Tiny Seeds. So I get to participate in actually helping to support um, the stability and, and sanity of the companies that participate in the accelerator. But mostly my role is in supporting Rob and in being his cheerleader and sounding board and all the ways in which a significant other helps to support the well-being of a thriving business. I'm not sure which number business this is. Rob probably has a count somewhere, but we've been on this ride a few times now, and I think we're both approaching this next venture with a level of calm and, dare I say, even maturity that um, it feels really good. And there are certain things that have like historically caused a lot of disruption or distraction, like public criticism or an inbox that is completely overflowing. These are the things that cause headaches for all entrepreneurs. Last Saturday night, someone publicly criticized a job posting that, that Rob had circulated and made some claims that were really felt really like out of left field and really not true about Rob and his body of work that's been, you know, very consistent over the years. And it's the kind of thing, honestly, that would have kind of derailed our evening had it been two or three years ago. We are the kind of entrepreneurs that care a lot about our reputations and we don't do everything perfectly by any stretch of the imagination, but we do take criticism, you know, carefully. Like we want to continuously improve. So when someone makes really public criticisms of either one of us, we tend to like, whoa, like rain in the horses, like let's really look at this. And in this case, I was really sad when this happened because I really didn't want my Saturday night to be <laughs> taken over by the need to engage in, you know, careful self-reflection about whether or not this person's assertions were correct or not. And I'm happy to report that after like a few minutes of feeling flustered, we looked at it together and we thought like, wow, is this, is this feedback or this, you know, Twitter blast coming from someone who is trying to be constructive or who has our best interests as humans or Tiny Seed's best interests as an entity has those things at heart? Is this feedback that's helpful? Is this feedback that's given in a way that communicates an intention to make things better or is in pursuit of improvement? So these are sort of the questions that we ask ourselves. And unfortunately, they, it wasn't. Like, it wasn't given in a way that was meant to be constructive. It was pretty inflammatory. It wasn't given in a way that seemed fair or seemed even relational or even reflected that this is actually someone with whom we both have a relationship. And so we kind of put this Twitter blast through our questions of how much do we take this in? And once we realized like, wow, there's probably ways that this, that this job post can be improved, but this doesn't need to become the conversation that we have tonight. This wasn't feedback that was delivered in a way that was thoughtful or relational or something that makes you sit up straight and think, okay, wow, I really need to give this attention right now. And it felt really good to be able to use that filter and say, hey, like we don't have to spend a lot of cycles on this. Again, that doesn't mean that we're not constantly pursuing improvement, but it does mean that we get some choice about when and how 
to let critical voices shape the kind of night that we're having or the kinds of decisions that we're making in our business. So I think if there's a theme to these handful of experiences that I've shared that we've been having lately, at least for me, it's the sense in which one of the deep challenges as an entrepreneur is to really be able to listen to and trust your own voice, your own inner compass, to carefully hone your skills so that you can be best poised to contribute to your business, and to also filter out voices that are designed to be destructive and serve their own purposes. So one of the mental health strategies that is absolutely imperative for entrepreneurs to have in place is some kind of self-reflective capacity, the ability, the space to practice listening to and cultivating your own voice, whether that's in therapy, in consulting, through journaling, through retreats, through time alone, through a long morning run, but where you have the power to turn down other people's voices. And you have the power to turn down the collective voice of the business that you are part of. You can step out of the system, you can step out of the public eye and double check that you, with clarity, are adhering to the voices that are most important to you and the ones that you most value. Companies are powerful things. And as your business grows, it's easy for your individuality to get sort of lost in the system. And in some ways, that's what's supposed to happen, right? The company, you belong, you're a member, you're part of something that's bigger than yourself. But just like in a romantic relationship, if you lose your individualness, if you lose your separateness, you lose your superpower, you lose whatever it is that you bring to your work that gives you your secret advantage, your individual perspective, your way of problem solving, your way of being creative, your way of thinking. And when the critical voices, whether they're within your company or just, you know, from Twitter, when those voices are turned up too loud, they can also serve to dampen or soften your individual voice so much that clarity and alignment become impossible and you get lost in what it is you're doing because you forget to listen to or aren't able to listen to the part of you inside of you that guides your work. So I hope those updates are helpful. Hopefully our 12-year-old has somehow survived the uh, World War II invasion of Russia and that he is managing to have some fun with the support of his dad at the gaming conference. And I hope to see many of you at MicroConf in a few short weeks. And if ever I can be helpful to you or to your business, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm Sherry at zenfounder.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.